Well, good morning. Um, for those of you who may be new or visiting, uh, my name's Chad. I'm one of the pastor elders here at Reality Ventura. Again, we're super excited about the relaunch of community groups at Reality Ventura. And again, for the faithful men and women that we have just commissioned for the glory of God. And I have to say personally, it's been an amazing to see a God, a God at work in rebuilding community at Reality Ventura and how evident it's become that this is the heart of God, knowing we were created for community. In launching community groups this week, the timing could not be better for us as a church since we are right in the middle of our Kingdom Family series. So today we're going to take a break from our study in Ephesians, but as part of our Kingdom Family series, I'll be sharing briefly the vision of Reality Ventura community groups, as well as sharing our heart as a church and God's heart behind Christian community. Simply said, Why Community? Which is the title of this morning's sermon, Why Community? Would you join me in prayer? Father God in heaven, I just want to ask in Jesus' name that you would give me the grace that I so desperately need to communicate the biblical truths of why community. And I ask God that you would awaken your people, your sons and daughters, that you would give them ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church, what your spirit is saying to them because you love them. God, I ask that you would, as you illuminate your truth, you would cause your people to respond to the truth and the leading and the teaching of the Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so in setting the table this morning, it's important for you to understand what I mean by community. The main thing I want to do this morning is provide a biblical basis for why we believe it's important for us as a church family to be involved in some form of life-giving small gathering. It's a call to small togetherness. My goal is for us to see and understand what moved Christians again and again throughout the centuries to seek small forms of togetherness. But in saying this, I think it's really important, especially in light that we are in the middle of our Kingdom Family series, that I share briefly the vision of Reality Ventura community groups because of their importance. And, with, and what that means for us as a church family and moving forward for such a time as this. Obviously, community groups are not the only way to be, be in community, but it's certainly one way. And for that reason, I'll give some other practical suggestions of small forms of toge togetherness at the end of the sermon. However, I do want to make mention Another reason that it's important to communicate the vision for community groups is because it's applicable for all Christian community, however that would play out in our lives in small forms of togetherness. So with that lead-in, our vision for community groups is to see lives transformed through authentic gospel-centered community in small gatherings of people meeting weekly in homes 
that is inspired by the power and wonder of God. And the three pillars supporting this vision can be best understood through our paradigm of theological, missional, and relational, which is the DNA of who we are and what we do as reality. The first pillar, theological, devoted worshipers. We want to be a people who are devoted to worshiping Jesus by making time to join with others to grow in his word and in prayer. The goal is Jesus must be the object of our worship that makes worshiping exciting to us even in the most basic of settings. The second pillar, missional, disciple makers. We want to be a people committed and called to be disciple makers. The Holy Spirit has given each of us a gift that is to be used for the building up of the body. The goal is that each one of us becomes like Christ, develops the ability to lead others to Him, and makes disciples by sharing our, our lives and the gospel regularly. The third pillar, relational, loving families. We want to be a people who love each other deeply and show this by our sacrifice as we seek to obey all the one another commands in Scripture. The goal is not merely to get along, but to love each other to the, the extent that Christ loved us and to be united to the extent that the Father is one with the Son. So in summary, we want to be a community of people who submit to and worship Jesus through prayer, devotion to Scripture, and praise. We want to be a community who are joyfully obligated to one another for the sanctification of the church while fully committed to the mission of going and making disciples for the glory of Christ because we have been reconciled through the cross. How did the early church live out community? And how are we going to best endeavor to live out community as it pertains to the vision of community groups and the three pillars supporting this vision through the paradigm of theological, missional, and relational? In Acts 2, 42 through 47, we see a picture of the early church living life in community. And this gives us a nice picture from which to build our expectations for what community can look like. So let's read verses 42 through 47. It'll be right up there on the screen. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed together had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their pro the proceeds to all as many had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. 
So we see this beautiful picture of how the early church lived out gospel community as a lifestyle, as a lifestyle, not just an event. And it's also important to note that we see how the early church lived out community by demonstrating regularly meeting together corporately in large gatherings like today, as well as from house to house in small gatherings. It's also important that we see in this text a list of things that I will call elements of community that mark the early church. We see in this text study, fellowship, communion, spiritual gifts, care, generosity, mission, prayer, again, prayer and worship. God has given us, God has given us as his people a roadmap, <clears throat> excuse me, for seeking and finding him. And we believe this can happen by living out community as seen in Acts 2. As we meet in small gatherings, the goal is not merely informational, but whole life transformation. So that, in a nutshell, is the vision of community groups. But like I said, it's applicable for all Christian community, however that would play out in, play out in our lives, because it's a biblical vision. So now I want to shift gears, and I want to share our heart as a church and God's heart behind biblical Christian community simply said, why community? But first, let me define what it means when we say community. Christian community is simply sharing a common life in Christ. The biblical ideal of community moves us beyond our self-sufficient, isolated, private lives and challenges us instead to commit ourselves to life together as as the family of God for the mutual edification of one another. So what are the underlying reasons for biblical community, for small forms of togetherness? Due to our limited time together, I want to bring to our attention this morning two reasons for biblical community although there are many more than just two reasons. The two reasons for biblical community I want to address and unpack this morning for why community. The first being a foundational reason and the second being a motivational reason. So the first reason for biblical community I want to establish this morning is the foundational reason for why community. Believe it or not, it's really important for us to ask the question, why community? Why? Because why questions are motivational. Thank you. Because why questions are motivational. What motivates me to get involved in or moves or moves me towards community? What motivates my actions and why I'm doing it undergirds this question of why. Most people are asking these questions. Why should I sign up for a community group? Why should I commit to a community group? And or why should I give up my time to be a part of a small gathering of community? 
So first, understanding why community. It is essential to the life of the Christian and the proclamation of the gospel and begins with understanding that we were created for community. We are created and saved to be a community. God, desi God designed it this way for our maturity and for our sanctification as believers. And this reality that we were created for community is connected to this eternal foundational truth that God exists in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect unity. So it's not surprising that from the beginning, God created us to be in community with Him and with one another. So the foundational reason for why community is that God created us to bear His image and He Himself exists in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, our primary motivation for community should be first and foremost the reality that we were created for community. So when we talk about community, our motivation goes all the way, to the, all the way back to the garden when the Trinitarian God who exists in community says in Genesis 1.26, let us create man in our image after our likeness. So there is this concept when we were created that when God spoke everything into creation, when God created man and woman, mankind, he is doing something very special. God is essentially saying, I want mankind to bear my image. We are to be image bearers of God. But then we read in Genesis 3 that sin entered the world. What happens when sin enters the world? Separation. Separation. So first, separation from God. As soon as their eyes are open, they hide from God, meaning Adam and Eve. But God comes looking for them. What happens when God comes looking for them? Man blames the woman and blames God. And the woman blames the serpent. Separation. Separation. What does that show us? What sin does and what the enemy does is try to separate what God has brought together. So this idea that we were created in the image of God to reflect the true nature of God and what the enemy wants to do is he wants to mar. He wants to hide the truth about who God is. So he wants to destroy relationship within the world and he wants to destroy relationship within the church. His main assignment as we know is Satan has come to still kill and destroy. We must take heed of that. What sin does is comes in and it brings about broken relationship between man and God and man and one another. So what Jesus does, praise God, so what Jesus does through his life, death, and resurrection 
is he brings reconciliation with God and he brings reconciliation with one another. Praise God for that truth. That, I hope and pray that all of us just understand that truth, that Jesus is the one through his death, life, and resurrection who brings reconciliation first and foremost to God, and then he brings reconciliation to one another. What this does through Jesus and through the gospel is makes community possible. Apart from Jesus, there is still a wall of hostility between Jew, Gentile, and us. This is why the gospel is so important for us to understand and how it works together with this idea that we were created in the image of God. And this has everything to do with why we do community. If we are not motivated by the gospel, if we are not motivated by the person and work of Jesus, Jesus, then there is no reason for us to get involved in or move towards community. So why would we do community? It's not just because we are created for community, although that's true. It's because every time we gather in community, we are displaying the goodness of God. We are displaying the truth about who God is. He is a relational, loving, triune God. And we're displaying the truth about what God did through Christ, that he made it possible for us to be reconciled, to be reconciled to one another, to love one another, to care for one another. This is the type of community that, we, that God's people experience and those that look in on our community. This is the type of community that I am talking about, that the Bible describes. And if this truth does not sink into us, everything I'm saying this morning about community is just meaningless or just another thing for us to maybe consider. You may give community or community groups a go, a go but eventually it will fade. Here today, gone tomorrow. If our imaginations and our hearts are not captured by the beauty of God and the grace and love of Christ to see the importance of community, then there's nothing that's going to motivate us to take part in community and sustain us to stay in and be part of community, because, especially because community can be messy. Community can be hard at times. There can be drama within community. And yet, community should be life-giving when everything is great, and community should be life-giving when everything hits the fan because we are motivated by what Christ did. We are motivated by the gospel. Again, we need to be motivated by the gospel. Remember, we are created and saved to be a community. God designed it this way for our maturity 
and our sanctifications as believers. And we flourish in communities such, of, such as a vine. I know many of you that maybe garden or know anything about vineyards, that just in the same way as a vine is being lovingly pruned, nurtured, and cared for, we flourish in community. But outside of community, it's just the opposite. We don't flourish, and we can end up dying on the vine, as they say. But I ask us, do we actually believe this? We live in a culture that lives isolated lives. We live in a culture that is radically individualistic and self-sufficient, and yet no one really debates the need for people to exist within community. It is not merely a Christian understanding. It's a human understanding. But belonging in and of, of itself will never be enough. It's not just about belonging. Hanging the need for community on belonging is like hanging the need for water on thirst. The need for both is deeper. Thirst is a symptom of a deeper design that your body was required or your body was created to require water to survive, which is what I desperately need right now, water. <laughs> I didn't plan it that way, but coming to that, I realized I'm not going to survive the rest of this teaching unless I get water. <laughs> so thank God for water. Oh, all right. So moving on, while we can technically survive without community, we don't, functionally, we don't function properly without it. The deeper need for community is embedded in the very fabric of who we are. It is part of our design. This is why we believe that without the emergence of community groups and many, many other small gatherings of community, we run the risk of ministry not happening in, in our church of our size, such as care, discipleship, and mission. The kind of pointed exhortation, encouragement, care, and loving warning which is suited to our need can't be given or received on the run. And it's not enough to have it given from the pulpit on Sundays only. We need people who know us. Let me say that again. We need people who know us and feel our particular need so that their word of exhortation is intimate and shaped to our special crisis of faith. And you can't know people significantly if you only see them in church a couple of hours a week on a Sunday, a couple times per month for many of us. Therefore, we believe it is essential that all of us seek this kind of regular, small togetherness where the ministry of the saints is free to happen. Now, from this foundational reason for why community, let's unpack the motivational reason for biblical community. 
The motivational reason for understanding why community is essential to the life of the Christian is to stir up one another to love and good works. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, the writer exhorts us like this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Notice it does not say, meet together once a week so the pastor can stir you up to love and good works and encourage you. It doesn't say that. It says, consider how to stir up each other. Consider how we can stir up each other and encourage one another. When we have asked, what forms of small gatherings of community will allow the family of Reality Ventura to fulfill this ministry, the obvious answer was the need for healthy biblical community groups and the emergence of many small forms of togetherness. History has shown, history has shown that God's way of stirring up his people to great acts of love and mission has often been to draw together a small praying band who lay themselves open to Almighty God and they get a vision for service. They get a vision for mission. Where will the new works of mission and charity come from in our church, both local and global, if not from holy brainstorming and small gatherings of zealous people? In the 21 years of being a vocational pastor, I can testify that the most fruitful ministries, works of mission and charity have been birthed through the body. That's you. That is you. When a man or a woman is given a God-given burden, when a man or woman is given a God-given vision, when a man or a woman is anointed by Almighty God, and that man or woman or that couple answers God and says, here I am, Lord, send me. Those are the most fruitful, God-glorifying, lasting, sustaining ministries that I have ever seen in the church. It's not necessarily coming from the staff and the pastors and elders. We are called to equip the saints for ministry. You are called for the work of ministry. And I want that to be an encouragement. If any of you have a God-given burden, conviction, passion, vision, anointing for something, then go do it. And we will be here to equip and encourage you if so need be. Not only does vision for love and good works get stirred up by such fellowship, but also the strength to see it through to reality. 
Love and good works are not easy to sustain over the long haul. There has to be much lifting up of the downcast. As Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. We must take heed. There are innumerable obstacles to love and threats to faith. We sink down or fall down or get knocked down again and again. Can anyone testify to that truth as a believer? Where we sink down at times, we fall down at times, we get knocked down again and again. And it's not God's revealed pattern for us to have to pull up ourselves by our own bootstraps in isolation. That is not the will of God. On the contrary, God's command and gracious provision is bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In order to fulfill the law of Christ, we have to build close, trusting relationships. Otherwise, you don't even know at times what the burdens are, let alone have occasion to share the weight of your burden. And we believe that to build those relationships, we must form small, regular gatherings of believers, such as community groups and other small forms of togetherness. It can be easy in a church our size to allow ourselves to remain isolated. And yet, it is a sweet law in the Savior's kingdom that no one, married or single, male or female, young or old, carry a crushing burden alone. Let it not be. That is not the will of God. If you are carrying a crushing burden this morning, it is not the will of God that you carry that alone. It is the will of God that the community of God gather around you, whether it's just one brother or sister or two. It doesn't have to be huge. They come alongside you to help carry that burden with you. That is the will of God. And this is why we want to be a people who love each other deeply and show this by our sacrifice as we seek to obey all the one another commands in scriptures, such as carrying one another's burdens. In what sort of setting can we be free to be vulnerable and real with each other in order that we may love one another? 
The answer is surely in a small gathering of believers who have won our trust, who know us and love us and have committed themselves to care for us. Do we need any further motivation to gather in a small gathering for the upbuilding of our faith and the stirring up of love to the glory of our Lord's name than this? I would say no. We were never designed to go it alone. It was never God's will from the beginning. We were created and saved to be a community. Is it any wonder that Jesus sent out his disciples two by two? And that Paul always traveled with his Barnabas or Silas or Timothy or Luke? And that even within the 12, Jesus built that deep core of affection with Peter, James, and John? We need one another. Do you believe that? We need one another. The biblical basis for developing smaller forms of togetherness in our church, such as community groups or small gatherings of community, is that God intends you, the saints, the family of God, to do the work of ministry, care, discipleship, and mission as you are equipped and encouraged by the pastor teachers, by the staff, and the lay leaders of our church. <clears throat> Which means when we, we just don't show up to receive. We don't just show up to take. Yes, there is a place to receive. But that can't be all of it. It is not the will of God for just us to show up, receive, and take, take, take. But more importantly, that we show up to participate and give of ourselves to the work of ministry. The aim of this type of small gathering ministry is to build up each other's faith and love. God's design is to use human support and exhortation to sustain the faith of his children and to lighten their burdens, which they bear in the service of love. That kind of mutually caring ministry does not happen in big groups amongst casual acquaintances. Therefore, to fulfill our calling, we must see the emergence of many smaller gatherings among our numbers. I want to encourage you with some practical suggestions and examples of moving towards community. I'd say one form of small togetherness would be signing up and getting plugged in to one of our community groups. And yet, at this time, I've heard and I, I believe that they're filling up quickly and may soon be full. And if that's the case, we hope to have more community groups in the near future. 
So with, with saying that, I want to say this, and this is important, especially if our community groups are full at this time. This is important. Whether we had community groups or not, this is important. Our aim as a church is to be as flexible as possible in the encouragement to pursue small gatherings of community. There is not one kind or size or frequency or format or group that's going to fit everyone's needs. We, as the pastors, as the staff, we are happy to let the Word and the Spirit of God go to work on and in you to produce many different forms of small gatherings of community, small togetherness. For example, I can see stay-at-home moms going to the park weekly with their kiddos and mutually encouraging one another in the Word of God. I can see several women meeting each week for lunch and prayer. I can see three or four men meeting for breakfast and accountability. I can see a group of high schoolers getting together to talk over the challenges of being a Christian in school and praying for each other. I can see two or three couples meeting together on the weekend for mutual edification and connection. I can see some singles meeting in the evening every week or two to read a pertinent book together, talk of mutual concerns, and praying. I can see young adults meeting to pray and dream about reaching the unreached. I see couples and singles, young and old, serving on Sundays or doing the, during the week as a form of community, such as serving in kids' ministry or serving in the youth ministry. So my encouragement this morning to the stay-at-home moms to the high schoolers, to the couples, to the young adults, to the singles, to the men and women, young and old at, here at our church. If the Spirit of God is at work on you and stirring in you a desire to form a small gathering of community, then do it. Do it. You are released to do it. We encourage you to do it. You have that freedom in Christ to do it. And if you need any equipping or coaching or encouragement or blessing, then we are here to bless you, to encourage you, to equip you, to love you, to coach you. My hope and prayer for all of us as a kingdom family, is that the Lord might awaken us. Awaken us right now, Holy Spirit of God. Awaken your sons and daughters to our need for community. 
and put the resolve in our hearts to pray for his leading in forming small gatherings of community and or by signing up today for a community group by going onto our website. Spirit of God, awaken us. Awaken us. May this be the beginning of an upsurge a spirit-led ministry and life-giving small gatherings amongst the family of Reality Ventura for his glory and for the good of his sons and daughters and the communities in which we live. Amen? Amen. Father God in heaven, that is my prayer. Holy Spirit of God, awaken in your sons and daughters. Awaken in my brothers and sisters this morning their need for biblical community, their need for you, Jesus, and how you've designed us to be in community with you and one another. Give them the grace right now to move towards community, whether that be in a community group or forming small gatherings of community. I ask again that you would do it, Jesus, for your glory. Do it for their joy. Do it for the communities in which we live in. In Jesus' name, amen.